Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's been another really nice week here on Fantasy NBA Today. Listenership numbers continue to really astound at this type of at this juncture of the year. So thank you all for tuning in. Happy Friday. Good weekend to you, depending on whenever you listen to this podcast. I am Dan Bespers, and this is a sports ethos presentation. couple little tidbits to throw at you here before we dive into our daily topic. One, of course, is that I want you guys to keep checking out our baseball and our football dudes. Football's coming around now. Coming down the pike. It's about two months, I think, until NFL opening day. It's on a Thursday. I know that much about the NFL. JP, busting his hump, man. He's going to work on, I think he's got something coming out about every team on Twitter. And then Joe, I mean, you know, they're at the all-star break in baseball now. What a year. What a year Joe's put together already. So please do check out those guys. It's Ethos Fantasy FB for football. Ethos Fantasy BB for baseball. And then you can find their podcasts, which for baseball, it's coming out daily right now. Football is two to three times a week right now. And that'll be ramping up to uh, three to five times a week coming up here um, basically within within the next week or two, I believe. Might be getting that ballparking that wrong, but it's pretty close. I'm pretty close. Uh, other cool thing is that we are here at Sports Ethos officially opening up a free side of our Discord, which for those unaware, Discord is basically like a fancy chat room. Many of you guys know what it is, so when I call it that, you're like, Dan, come on. But many of you don't. Uh, basically, it's multiple chat rooms all in one place. It sounds way more futuristic and complicated than it is, I promise. It's a way for premium subscribers here at Sports Ethos to interact with the pros, like the fantasy premium section, for instance. If you have a fantasy pass, you get access to that. Has instant reaction threads from me, from Brew, from uh, Eric Ong, Panda, Steve Vitovich. The, the big boppers here at Sports Ethos. Adam King had one last year as well where we just put our thoughts as things happen in the NBA. So you don't have to wait for this podcast the next morning, or if I'm going to do a tweet storm two or three hours later. You get it the moment that something impacts us. Those are really cool. You got a, way, a wager, the wager pass has a premium section. DFS has a premium section. That was all happening this last year. Uh, the Q&A, by the way, which was a very popular part of the Discord with pros, that's actually moving over to the Sports Ethos forums. But I don't want to get too sidetracked here. What I really wanted to say was we're opening up a free section, basically for the community, where you guys can all get together and just talk fantasy. Fantasy NBA, NFL, MLB, DFS, wagering, lifestyle questions. There will be some Q&As with pros that drop into the free section as well. And if you're interested in coming and hanging out with us in our Discord, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. It's the only way to do it right now. So you got to be on social. Find a way to get there. If you don't have an account, just make one. You can leave an egg as your profile picture. I don't care. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Many of you guys, thousands of you, already follow me on Twitter, and we talk. 
So just hit me up over there, at Dan Vespers. We'll get you in on the free side. Nothing going on right now. You're kind of betaing it today. But I'll tell you, once basketball, once NBA draft season starts to float around, or fantasy draft season, it's going to be getting a little wild and woolly in there. So you can kind of get your bearings beforehand. Excited about that. Cool new thing we got going on. But we're like four minutes into the show, and I haven't done anything fantasy-related. And if I go much longer, you guys are going to yell at me. So, fantasy. Today, we begin, uh, and and we're just going to be taking little slices out of it. We begin our journey down the rabbit hole. That is, how did Yahoo do last year? Now, unfortunately, as we've talked about a few times on the show, Yahoo changed their pre-ranks. They changed them. After the season started, they changed their pre-ranks. I don't know why they would do such a thing. It's absurd to try to act like their pre-ranks were perfect. I think we all know that's just not true. It makes me think they're trying to sell something. That's the that's the impression I get. Because this is a really... I mean, like, that's the type of thing that pops up when you click into the player page on the on Yahoo... But there's nothing to sell there. You know, they got their, like, team analysis tools. You can upgrade your account. They got DFS there. That costs money. But, like, I don't know what... what do they have, like, a Yahoo Plus type thing? Is that where they need to look better? Either way, it's sleazy. It's a shyster move. Yahoo, come on. You're better than that. You don't need to. We all miss. Just admit it. Just leave the number where it was. I went through my D-bombs one by one here on this show. Told you where I hit and where I missed. Yahoo's got to change their numbers. So, unfortunately, where in seasons past we were able to look at the final ranks and compare it to their pre-ranks, this year we have to compare their final ranks to the ADPs of the players, which I will line them up, and it's not going to be perfect... Because, I, you know, when I do my analysis, it's not going to compare to an exact ADP. It's going to compare it to the order the player was drafted. So, like, for instance, uh, Joel Embiid had an ADP of, or I don't know, like De'Aaron, oh, I can go farther down the board here where I actually still have the number in front of me. De'Aaron Fox had an ADP of 33.5. But if you just lined him up in order, he was actually the 32nd player who got drafted. So he's going to go in the books as number 32, even though his ADP was 33 and a half. And it's going to be like that for a lot of players, where it's close, it's within a couple points of their ADP, but I need them ranked. We need to turn this into a rank list. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from 
you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. So that's point number one. That's going to cloud our stuff. Uh, Point number two is that ADP is not the same as the pre-rank. It is heavily influenced by Yahoo's pre-ranks, but it's not exactly the same. What does that mean for our analysis going forward? Well, it means that when you go into your draft room next year and Yahoo sorts the players, auto-sorts them by X-rank or pre-rank or O-rank or whatever they call it on any given year, which, by the way, that's a rant for another day. Why, why in blazes do they keep changing the name of their preseason rank list? But we'll, we'll go with pre-rank for now. When you go into your draft room next year and you see the players sorted by pre-rank, and you look back on this week, or however long we spend on this, on Fantasy NBA Today, and say, well, Dan told me I could diverge at X pivot point. It's, again, not going to be exact. We're going to have to make some slight tweaks, and we'll try to do that here on the show once we get some of the numbers coming out for next year, which, by the way, won't be all that far from now. We still have a couple of dangling free agents and a couple of really big trades that are likely to come rolling through, although it sounds more and more like KD and Kyrie trades might not happen you know, for another month or something like that. But you'll get some ranks. Yahoo will open up their leagues. They usually do it by uh, late, I guess it's mid, mid-August, mid I think they open up their leagues. And they'll have to have ranks of some kind at that point because they're going to just need to have players on the board. That's a discussion for another podcast, to be sure, of how exploitable the first Yahoo ranks are. You guys know I don't like drafting super early because guys get hurt, and that actually, to me, is worse than whatever value you might get against Yahoo's first ranking board. But at that point, you'll be able to compare a little bit, and we'll we'll figure out where the huge divergence is. I did a show about a month ago where we talked about what we're looking to learn from this how did Yahoo do breakdown, which this year is just how did everybody do since it's ADPs. And what we'll be looking at is, number one, we'll be looking at the difference between totals, per game ranks, and original ADP. So basically how close did things get. We're going to be looking at a basically a running average as you tally them all up. What's the average miss size? And there's a, it's always going to be a miss size. And it's basically going to be that you miss too early because at the beginning of a draft, you really can't have hits. Like, Nikola Jokic is a hit at number one because he's even better than a number one should be. But think about it from this perspective. If you draft him at one, the best way, best place he could possibly be is to stay at one. He happened to do that, but that actually doesn't give you a positive... It doesn't count as a win, mathematically. It counts as neutral. Even though, by all accounts, that actually is a winner. So the numbers we're looking for here are always going to be misses too high, which is expected, but we're going to be looking at size of miss over the entirety of the thing. We're going to be looking at the absolute value of the misses because that's fun. Uh, Because if you're just looking at a running sum, misses above and misses below cancel each other out a little bit. So it starts to look 
like Yahoo or the ADP is closer than it actually was. Because if you have a player drafted at 75 that ends up at 10, you got a huge hit, and then the guy drafted at 76 ends up at like 140, you put it together and it looks like Yahoo nailed it. Got them both perfect, right on the nose, when in fact they missed by a ton. And that's the spread. If you wanted to look at a spread, you could do it that way. Or you can just look at absolute value, which just tells you precisely how far away, doesn't matter the direction, the end result was from the starting point. Which I think is actually uh, one of the more relevant data points. We're also going to look at kind of a running chunk value, meaning like last five, last ten kind of thing. So is there, that's a way of finding out, are there areas where the ADPs did better or worse? Because if you're just looking at a total absolute value, one giant miss super early in the draft is going to blow up that number for basically the entirety of this mathematical analysis, which actually would be the case this year because of Damian Lillard, who played, what, third of a season poorly on a bad abdomen and ended up outside the top 250 or whatever it was by totals wasn't very good by averages but at least that brings him up a little bit by totals you know you can never pull out that 200 plus size miss that happened in the first nine picks so that's a number that's just going to stay high forever even if that was sort of a one player blip which it kind of was this year. Overall, the first 10 players by ADP, actually, again, outside of Damian Lillard, performed relatively well. Specifically by totals, uh, but also by averages, kind of both. And then as we've talked about a thousand times since the last season ended, it was around pick 11 that things started to get a little bit hairy. More reliably so. Anthony Davis was 11. Trey Young was 12. That was that one that worked. Paul George was 13. Bradley Beal was 14. Vooch was fine at 15. Jimmy Butler, rough at 16. Sabonis, rough at 17. Adebayo, rough at 18. Zach Levine, kind of rough at 19. I don't want to get too much into that sort of end of first through middle of second part of this thing because that'll be something we we likely get to on Monday's show. But, I mean, you heard the names right there. Trey Young and sort of Vooch, mostly because he was durable, were the only guys I just listed in that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight player stretch. Six of them were medium to large misses, mostly because of injury. And two worked, which is not the ratio you want, end of first, early second round. We are going to, my last little precursor here, we are going to be mostly looking at these numbers in groups of 10, simply because it's easier to divide things by 10 than it is by 12. So I'm not going to be referring to things by round, unless you want me to and just call it a 10-team league, but I just I think that's somewhat misleading. Most of us aren't playing in 10-team leagues. And if you are, you probably have added starting slots and bench slots to deepen the rosters a little bit. So we'll be referring to this 
instead of rounds, we're going to be referring to the players in kind of chunks. Chunk is probably the, the safest way to do it. It's probably a cuter word we could use than chunk, but I'm not going to do it. So let's dive in. Let's spend today just breaking down basically the first chunk, the first 10 spot, and what do we learn from it? Well, first and foremost, Nikola Jokic went one, finished at one. Luka Doncic went two, was actually number 28 by both totals and averages. And I'll just give you the numbers for all of these guys, this first chunk of 10. Jokic was number one in both. Steph Curry was third in the ADP board, finished at number 13 by totals, number six by averages. He was well on his way prior to that late season injury. James Harden, 12 by average, 15 by totals. Giannis, nine by average, 11 by totals. He did better than expected. I'll admit it. Giannis shooting 72% at the free throw line instead of 69 or 70. It's actually a massive deal. Every half percentage point that he improves at the free throw line is colossal because he took 11 of them a ball game. I mean, it's the same thing with Joel Embiid. He shot 81% at the foul line, which by itself is not that huge of a positive. But when you do it on 12 attempts, it becomes a valuable thing. You know, he had the same positive impact at the free throw line that Freddie Van Vliet did last year. And Freddie shot 87%, but only took three and a half free throws per game. So you don't have to be that far above 80. 79 to 80% is kind of the keep it stationary. That's, that's free throw neutral. You'll be middle of the pack. If your team is around 79 to 79.5% at the free throw line, that's mid-pack for Roto. You don't have to be that far above that. We're talking 81%. But if you take a ton of them at 81%, that's really good. You end up near the top of your league. If it's only a couple, it just doesn't... Anyway, we don't have to get into weighted arithmetic on today's podcast, but uh, suffice it to say that because Giannis, because he takes so many, 72% so many is way better than 70% so many. And if he somehow gets to 74%, well, now you're talking about a Giannis that could actually scrape his way towards the top five, which we've talked about forever, how he there's just no way he can get there until his free throw number is respectable. It's not that far off. But he still gets drafted fifth every year, which is a high watermark for him, and so I still can't really entertain the idea of it. That said, if you took Giannis fifth and he finished at nine or 11 by totals, you can probably write that off as a basically a hit. Kevin Durant, he was number six. Uh, number two by averages, 12 by totals. He was drafted sixth, I should say. Dame, seventh, ADP, 50 per game, because he shot 40%. Outside the top 230 by totals. I don't even actually have the number. It's so far back down the board. Uh, I think Yahoo's has him at like 235, but it might have even been worse than that because of all the games missed. It's it's kind of unclear. Yahoo's board is super weird right now. Uh, anyway, that one's obviously a, a massive, massive fail uh, because he missed the entire season. Cat uh, went eighth. He was number seven averages. Great. He was durable again. He was third by totals. Jason Tatum went ninth. He was 15th by averages. 
fifth by totals. Thank you, Durability. And then, maybe the big surprise, Joel Embiid, number 10, ADP, three by average, and two by totals. That's the huge surprise right there. So there's some really good options in that 8, 9, 10 chunk. Cat, Tatum, Embiid, those guys all worked out pretty well, mostly because they played in games. And certainly the lesson of the first round is you need your guys that are out there. The guys that played games were the guys that posted big-time fantasy value at the front end here. And then, like Kevin Durant, he was so good that despite missing a ton of games, he still ended up near the end of the first round. Giannis was close. Harden's been tapering off. That's just a career arc. And then Steph had that one bigger injury, or he'd have been likely inside the top five as well. So what do we learn from this first ten? This is the important part. Not just where they ended up, that's great and all, and I'm sure you guys enjoyed just hearing numbers as I spew them at you, but what did we learn? Well, if you're looking at by totals, you probably, well, either totals or averages, frankly, you probably want to go and slide over into the per tens and the absolute value per tens which I realize is not super indicative because we're only looking at the first 10 right now. But the per 10 miss size was 27 slots. Sounds bad, huh? The absolute value per 10, meaning the total of all the misses divided by 10, because we're 10 picks in, was 30 and a half. What if, however, we take Damian Lillard out of the equation. How much does all of that shift on the totals number? The answer, of course, is a ton. If you pull Dame out, the per 10 miss size was minus 3.5. That's really close, actually. The absolute value, not quite as impressive, at 8.3, which I would actually argue is a tiny bit higher than you'd want. What we can learn from that is that, and, and we can see this too, and, and like I get it, this this first 10 is sort of an exercise in just learning how we're going to break this stuff down. So I, yeah, you know, to, today's episode is not our groundbreaking Friday weekend show or anything. And you just heard me talk about it a second ago. But what this first round actually ended up being was a series of small misses to the negative direction at the top and a series of small misses in the positive direction at the bottom. Cat, Tatum, Embiid, those guys were positives. Doncic, Curry, Harden, Giannis, KD, those guys were all small misses to the negative. Luka actually medium, not, not so much a small miss, that's more of a medium miss. And that's why seeing the per 10 and the absolute value per 10 are both really important for analyzing what it actually meant. What it meant here, I would argue, is that, and again, we're working off ADPs and not pre-ranks, but these are very close. I think, if you're looking at the pre-rank, I think Giannis might have been in front of Stefan Harden. I don't know, it doesn't matter. What we just learned from this last year, and this is, again, this is with Dame out. We've removed him from the equation. I guess this, so this is actually per nine at this point instead of per ten. What we're learning here is that 
Yahoo and the ADPs didn't even really have the first 10 right. Oh, let me fix one thing. I had Dame listed as zero instead of seven. He should just be listed as neutral. Uh, so the per 10 is actually minus 4.2. The absolute value is 7.6. So it's a uh, tiny bit lower on the absolute value, tiny bit more negative on the, the per. Because it was counting Dame as a hit instead of a, a nothing. Um, going into next year, does this mean that you can just draft anyone you want from the top 10 at any point within the top 10? Well, it's hard to say because we don't have the list for next year. But it certainly gives that indication that now we've moved into a new realm where there is one player so far out in front of everybody else. And and some of you guys might be hearing that and thinking, oh, wasn't James Harden that guy? Um, yeah, in 8-cat, he was that guy for a while. In 9-cat, he wasn't. He was up there in kind of a 1-2-3 player chunk at the top, and he was better but it wasn't what we just saw with Jokic so far ahead of everybody else. It's insane. And then behind Jokic, the next nine guys seemingly had almost an equal chance, minus Doncic, of being the number two player. And we kind of knew that this last year coming into draft season. Uh, I happened to like Steph in that spot, and that was going relatively well prior to his injury. He was up there. Um, Harden jumped up the board when Kyrie's vaccine stuff knocked him out. And then James went and got himself traded and didn't have as big of a job and was frankly, uh, pretty deferential to, uh, KD when those two guys were on the floor together. So Harden probably wasn't going to be in that top three or four, but he was, he was fine. He just, he wasn't there. Um, Giannis, Luca, because of the free throws, Luca, sometimes both percentages, not always, but sometimes. Those guys are always going to have a tough time being kind of in that, like, second group. But you had a pretty good argument. It was like, okay, well, I think most people are going to lean towards Steph behind Jokic. And then you had some folks that were like, I'll take a shot on KD or Cat bouncing back. There was not a clear top group there wasn't even a clear secondary group which is what we've actually seen in seasons past if you could go back which i don't know that we can if you could go back and look at adps from prior years in yahoo right now i don't i don't think we can do it but like if you look at the the previous season uh it was there was Jokic at the top and then behind him i mean i think he was not last this most recent season, but the previous one. I think it was like a two or three player discussion at the top of like Jokic uh, and Steph and Harden were all at the top. Those three, was there anybody else in that group? I think Cat was actually up in that group at the very top. There was a real legitimate discussion going on. And now, I don't know that we have that anymore. And I don't know that anybody moved their way into that territory in my eyes. The only other players, even on a per-game basis, that were, like, sniffing Jokic this year were Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid. Those guys were 2-3 and on a per-game basis. No one else was even in the vicinity. And frankly, saying those guys were in the vicinity means we probably don't know what the word vicinity means. Because they were pretty far back, too. 
But then on top of that, you talk about the fact that KD was number two on a per-game basis. You know he's a huge injury risk. Embiid stayed healthy, but he's a massive injury risk. So there really isn't a discussion about the number one spot. And frankly, I don't think there's a discussion about the number two spot because it's more of a war. Embiid was number two, way behind Jokic, a little bit ahead of Cat, who was a little bit ahead of Trey Young, who was a little bit ahead of Jason Tatum, who was a little bit ahead of DeJounte Murray, then Halliburton, LaMelo Ball, DeMar DeRozan. I mean, these are the guys in the totals top 10. Miles Bridges is there. Yikes to his situation right now. We ain't touching that on the podcast. That's a, that's a bad one. Woof. I mean, I don't, you don't think DeMar's going in the first round next year, do you? I don't. Ball might. Halliburton might. DeJounte won't. Trey, Tatum, those guys probably will. Is Joel Embiid going to be the consensus number two pick in fantasy drafts next year? I think it'll be between Embiid and Cat. I would go Cat, by the way, pretty much every single time, just based on... Oh, wait, well, I mean, with Gobert there. Just uh, scratch that, <laughs> rub that from the record. I don't know if I trust Embiid. I don't know if I trust almost any of these guys to be an obvious number two. Here's the thing. What I'm trying to say here is not that I wouldn't take any of them number two. It's just that you could take any of them number two. And right now, it looks like it would be a perfectly reasonable thing to do. You could take almost anybody from this past season by totals. Almost any player between two and like 16. And they're all totally reasonable. Now, it'll pare down a little bit as we get closer. You'll you'll see there's going to be like a, a group behind Jokic. But what, if anything, we learned from this past season, it's that there's a number one, and then there's like 10 guys that could all be number two. It's not like it was two or three years ago where the top four or five were like, okay, well, any one of these four or five guys could be number one, but I feel really confident about those guys being a cut above the next group. The next group now is huge. It will be reflected in our buckets. There's like a 10-player second bucket now, which makes drafts a real cluster mess, if that's what your brain went to. You're like, Dan, doesn't that make everything a real cluster? Yeah, it sure does. What about over on the averages side? Well, first of all, the Damian Lillard thing is also screwing things up. Uh, but it is worth noting that he was number 50. So the per 10 is negative 7.8. The absolute value per 10 is 10.2. If we remove Dame once again, the per 10 drops to minus 3.5. The absolute value drops uh, to 5.9. So on a per game basis, again, minus Damian Lillard, the first round was closer. They did better. In the fives is kind of what we've... Not round, sorry. First chunk in the fives is kind of what we've looked at in the past and thought, this is this is fine. The previous year was a total mess, and I mean, I think we dealing with different COVID-related things probably created a lot of that trouble. But the first round, historically on Yahoo, you wanted that absolute value per 10 to be basically between like 4 and 7. Higher than that meant that it wasn't going all that great, and way higher than that meant, screw it, it's a free-for-all. 
But also, it's a little bit about interpretation. On the per-game side, uh, that first 10 was actually pretty good. Luka was also a big miss, which, again, could have seen that coming. What, 15, 16 was probably a best-case scenario for him in 9-cat? And that's another thing to think about here. Like, Luka, Harden, Giannis, those guys are always going to go a little bit earlier in ADP than they are in your target for them in 9-cat because of turnovers. Those are the big turnover guys. Giannis at 3.3. I guess KD at 3.5 was higher, too. I got to get my act together here. Jokic, 3.8 turnovers per game. So this year, you really kind of had to adjust the bar up. It was it was basically Trey Young and James Harden. Paul George, oddly enough. The four turnovers or higher bunch. Anyway, just, just to note that that is going to mess uh, with some of the ADPs. Where was Luka? Well, Luka had to be in the fours, too, didn't he? Yeah, 4.5. So he's the other guy in there. So on the per-game side, excluding Luka and his points league slash 8-cat mega bump, the averages were out, were not that bad. But again, I do believe the lesson here from the front 10 is probably stay within a certain chunk, but that second group behind Jokic has been elongated. It doesn't go forever. It doesn't mean like, hey, you've got the fourth pick, take the guy who's pre-ranked 19. It means, hey, you've got the second pick, you can take anybody pre-ranked between about 2 and 10. And you got basically an equal chance of being right as the guy behind you, or the guy behind that, or the gal behind that, or whatever it turns out to be. And that's our lesson from the first round. We will do more, and probably faster, starting next week. I just wanted to give you guys a more in-depth Look at how we're going to do this and how often we're going to try to pull lessons out. Second chunk, third chunk, we'll really spend a lot of time on that. Probably once we get to about number 50, we'll start to spread things out a little bit because you're looking for different patterns as you get farther along. The totals versus per-game stuff starts to creep in too. I love this crap. I really do. I, I know you guys can hear it in the way I talk, too. Anyway, Fantasy NBA Today, the name of the show. I'm Dan Baspris again. Hey, we're recruiting also. That's begun now as we start the downslope towards the NBA season. NFL as well. And hit me up on Twitter if you want to be a part of the recruiting blitz or if you want to get in on that free side of the Discord fun. It's all floating around out there. Again, the free side mostly about building community. Pros will pop in every now and again. Mostly, however, about community. Pros generally spend their time over on the uh, the premium side have a great weekend everybody back with you first thing monday 65 off-season episodes in the books we rolling so long everybody You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.